Hello and welcome to Pickleball Therapy, the podcast dedicated to your pickleball improvement. It's the podcast with you in mind. I'm your host, Tony Roig. It's great to be back with you. It's been a few weeks. Uh, my wife and I were out in Utah uh, for the month of uh, October. We uh, really enjoyed our time out there. It was a beautiful part of the country. I never really spent that much time in that, uh, that area. We got to do a lot of hiking and uh, just beautiful part of the country. Um, but as always, thinking about pickleball. So when I was at the pickleball courts there doing some work, I overheard some advice being given. And we're going to make that the subject of today's riff. I also want to thank CJ Johnson before we get uh, jumped in, before we jump into the podcast. Uh, CJ covered uh, for me last week and did a bang up job. I told CJ, uh, you know, now I'm worried about about my position, my seat at the podcast. Uh, just kidding. She does a really nice job. If you didn't get a chance to listen to the podcast, highly recommend you go check that out. CJ has a really good perspective on learning and how you uh, treat yourself when you play out on the court. And if you don't know, the, the question she asked was, if I talk to you the way that you talk to yourself, would we still be friends? Interesting way of framing things. And, uh, and it's a productive way of reframing how you treat yourself. So check out that podcast for sure if you didn't have a chance to, to listen to it. And um, as always, uh, at the end of the podcast, we always ask you to rate and review the podcast and share with your friends. I'm going to do that now at the beginning of the podcast and this one. Uh, as we enter the holiday season, you know, it's, uh, um, you know, we, we want to double down on the mental part of this game and the mental importance of this game. And uh, if you have a friend who, who, for whom pickleball is important and uh, they um, would benefit from any sort of mental training, any kind of mental framing that might help them out, uh, we encourage you to share the podcast with them. It's, uh, you know, sometimes the podcast just doesn't appear in front of folks and helping them get the podcast is a helpful way of helping them with their relationship with the game. Um, today, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about two things. One, we're going to talk about messy pickleball. And uh, I think you're going to really like this framing of, of how we look at pickleball and how pickleball really is. The truth of pickleball as a messy activity that we engage in. And, uh, and how we can use that to benefit us when we play and in our improvement, if that's your thing. And then in the riff, as I mentioned, I'm going to be talking about why folks give advice about pickleball and why perhaps they are so adamant about the correctness of the advice that they're giving. So that's going to be today's podcast. As we get into the podcast, uh, it's two weeks away. We have our, our, actually, by the time this podcast drops, it'll be yeah, about a week and a half away. We have our camps in Dallas. Uh, there's a few spots left in one of the camps, I believe. One of the camps is sold out. If you want to check those out, go to betterpickleball.com and click on camps and you'll see the schedule of camps that you can join us for one of our Dallas camps. Last I checked, our Tampa camps right now are sold out. So if you want to train with us in the next eight months or so, Dallas is your best bet. All right, let's jump into this concept of messy pickleball. And it, it was uh, the, the idea was spurred by a video that came across one of the feeds that I, that I look at in terms of just learning about life. And it was a gentleman talking about uh, he's a successful podcaster himself in another uh, area, just more general podcast uh, podcast. But he's a very successful podcaster. And he was being interviewed in a podcast and, and he, he was talking about how life is messy. And when we look at, you know, when we look at folks who are successful, right, and I'm going to use general first and then we'll go into pickleball, what we see is we see the result of a lot of just messy steps that they've taken along the way that ended up with them 
having some level of success in their field. And he just talked about himself saying, and he, and he was very humble, which I thought was really good for him to be open about it. He said, you know, like yesterday, he said, I woke up and I eat carrot cake for breakfast. That's probably not the best way to break my fast, right? That's not a healthy thing to do. But, you know, when you see folks, folks' Facebook posts, folks' Instagrams and things like that, what you're seeing is you're seeing a, a very curated vision into their existence. And he used the example of like, say, like an Instagram uh, travel blogger, you know, the, the people who travel and, and share pictures of their, their activities. Usually they're not showing you the negative stuff, the delayed flight or the sickness that they had on a, on a trip and things like that. Usually what you're seeing is you're seeing the glamour part of, of their traveling. But really at the end of the day, it's, it's a series of steps that has gotten them there. And the key is this, those steps are messy. In other words, they're just kind of a little bit of happenstance, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and eventually you get to where you want to go. And he was talking about it also in terms of uh, being successful just in anything that you do. So he was applying that, you know, the idea that sometimes you take a step here and a step there and you're not really sure where you're going. But, you know, if you look at it in hindsight, you know, 10 years later, after taking a bunch of steps, each one of the steps not necessarily looking great, it's fine at the end of that big picture. And that's going to be important when we talk about improvement. But I want to talk about mess, the messiness of the sport that we engage in from first from the perspective of a game, of playing a game. If you think about a game of pickleball, you know, one game of pickleball, one game to 11, right? And traditional scoring. It's really a, an amalgamation, if you will, or a collection of things, right? Some of them are nice, right? They look good. They're like nice shot here, nice shot there. But a lot of them, if you think on it, are pretty messy. You know, a missed return of serve, missed volley, missed serve, third shot into the net, um, you know, volley hit off the edge of the paddle, you know, ball hit wide, ball hit long, things like that. Um, you know, not reading the ball correctly here or, or not reading it correctly there, things like that. Uh, and so when you think about pickleball as being messy, what it does is it helps you, you know, not get so down on yourself when you have that messy shot that stands out to you. And let's pick on the easiest one, which is a pop-up. You know, uh, players do not like pop-ups, and I get that. Um, but the reality is that the game that we play is actually built around generating a pop-up. In other words, when you look at the highest level of pickleball, what they're doing is they're playing in a way to try and generate a pop-up from the other side. So they're moving the ball around. Even, you know, some of the, the, the initial attacks that they start, what they're hoping for is they're hoping to generate a pop-up that then they can cleanly put away. So pop-ups are simply part of our game. And I understand that they're not, we don't like them, but they're just a messy part of pickleball. I know it's just part of the, let me reframe that. They're part of the mess that is a pickleball game. And if you embrace the fact that pickleball is going to be messy, um, you'll enjoy your game better because you'll accept the fact that sometimes you are going to miss a return of serve, or you're going to hit a short return of serve, or hit the volley not where you want it to go. That's just part of the whole thing. Now, in that, you're going to have these moments of, you know, of great shot here, great save there, things like that. But it's all part of a big picture, which when you look at it piece by piece, it is a messy process. It is a messy experience. And again, by framing it that way, what you're doing is you're allowing the mess to be a part of your play. In other words, a part of your experience when you're on the court. You don't get as bogged down in, oh, that wasn't great. 
because you understand that that wasn't great is just part of the whole deal. You know, it's perfectly natural to have that messy moment during a pickleball game because it is a messy process. It's it's just the same as it's just an extension of life, if you will. You know, life being messy, pickleball is messy. It's not a um, there's not a perfectly chore. It's not a choreographed activity, right? It's a it's an impromptu activity that'll have some again some good things, some bad things. But embracing the mess and the messiness of pickleball when you play will give you keep you grounded and will will prevent you from losing yourself in the inevitable errors and inevitable silly shots and silly decisions that you'll make during a pickleball game because you cannot avoid those. It's just part of the messy process of pickleball when we play. And I also want you to think about the messy perspective from an improvement standpoint. If you are a player who's working on your improvement, whether you're a part of our pickleball system course, you know, one of our students or doing it on your own, whatever it is you're doing to improve, understand that the process is a messy process. What that means is if you if you look at it in terms of a, a specific, one specific step at a time, it's not going to look that that uh, maybe that uh, beautiful, right? That that beautifully orchestrated path that you're on. If the key is though to take the step, even if it feels a little bit weird, even if it feels a little off, you're not really sure. Take that step. And then what you'll find is you'll start building these habits of, okay, that step was all right, but let me take another step. Now, each step, if you understand that it's messy, you don't have to like hyperanalyze the step and say, boy, that step wasn't that great. Or let's say you take, you know, three steps forward and then stop for a minute, right? You apply toe or you take three steps forward and maybe you take one step back. That's okay too. Why? Because pickable improvement is a messy proposition. If you look at it in the in the detail, if you get granular on it, it is going to look messy. And if you want to think about it another way, maybe think about it in terms of like, you know, the forest and the trees, okay? Uh, and what happens sometimes is not only are we, you know, we don't see the forest because we're so hyper-focused on a tree, oftentimes we get hyper-focused on the bark of a tree or a stem on a tree or a leaf on a tree, right? We're that hyper-focused. And sometimes we'll have bark that doesn't look fantastic or a limb that isn't growing the exact way we want it to. But if we're able to step back from that tree, from that bark, from that leaf, what we end up seeing is that our forest is looking pretty darn good. And so it's really a question of perspective, you know, taking a bigger approach and understanding that if you're going to hyper-focus on something, allow there to be mess, allow there to be some messiness in the, in the process there or in the, in the, in what you're seeing, right. And don't get hung up on the messiness in the particular steps, understanding that it's part of a bigger process. One other uh, aspect of messiness, if you will, in terms of improvement is sometimes players will be afraid of, or hesitant, I should say, to take that step because it's unclear. In other words, I'm not really sure exactly what I'm doing with this step. But what happens is taking the step in and of itself is forward progress for you, even if it doesn't lead exactly where you want it to lead to. Just taking that step will be helpful to you in terms of your improvement as a pickleball player. Now, we don't have a we don't have a class open right now. We'll open a class again at the beginning of next year for the pickleball system. 
that's one of the reasons why the pickleball system is so helpful to you because you don't have to, you can have more confidence that the step that you're taking is the step that will most help you with your game because we've done the work of synthesizing that for you and putting it inside a course. But it's still going to be up to you to take the step, whether it's joining the system or not, but you need to take the step forward if you want to improve understanding that it's going to be a little bit messy as you go. At the end of the day, you're going to step back from that forest and see a nice, nicely growing uh, forest of trees, much stronger pickleball game, and you'll be able to hopefully unlock your full pickleball potential. So think of messiness in terms of your play as well as your improvement, and it'll help you frame out the, the game and your process without getting mired down in negativity from the messiness of a particular step. All right, let's talk about the riff here. I wanted to, this is something that came up during, uh, again, during our trip in Utah. I was out at the courts filming, and this is not a criticism, okay? I'm not trying to criticize folks who, or players who offer advice. Um, what I was trying to understand was I was listening to two different courts, two different situations, and it made me think of a common theme in those two situations as to why the players were offering advice, perhaps, maybe getting in their heads a little bit. Because the advice they were offering was, in one case, it was wrong, and the other, in the other case, it was incomplete. So it was the kind of information that if you got it, you might have a clear picture, and you could you could end up in the wrong place because it it wasn't the it wasn't incorrect, but it wasn't complete. So you were missing some parts that were important. And so what 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 I was thinking about is I was trying to understand, and, and oh, the other thing was these players you could tell were fairly new to the game. Everybody on the court was fairly new to the game, including. The advisor, including the player giving the advice. So it got me to thinking about the psychology of the advisor, right? Of the player giving advice. And what I came up with was in those situations, and I and reflecting on my history as a pickleball player and the advice I've gotten, I believe that this is accurate, um, is that oftentimes the player giving advice gives the advice because of it's essentially like a form of insecurity where the player giving the advice wants to appear to know the thing, right? So it's kind of like the, the person giving directions to somebody else, even though they don't know the directions because they want to feel that they can answer the question that's being asked about directions. Um, it's the same thing with pickleball players, where pickleball players will feel that they they want to project to other persons, right? Friends and family that they know the answer to this. They know how to play pickleball. So they will offer their advice on how to play the sport. The problem is that there's no qualifier. In other words, I mean, I have no problem with saying, you know, I'm not really sure, but I think it's like this. Why don't we try that? Or why don't you check on this later? Make, you know, make sure it's correct. The way that the advice is given, it's given as if it's hundred percent ironclad, and unfortunately, again, oftentimes it is either completely incorrect or it's incomplete. An example of incomplete advice would be like the non-Bali zone. That's an area where players create confusion all the time because let's say something like you have to wait till the ball bounces before you step inside the non-Bali zone or inside the kitchen. Now, that is not a, that, that actually that's an incorrect statement. It's also incomplete, but it's incorrect because you can step in the non-Bali zone whenever you want. Right? You just can't volley a ball in there. And it creates a lot of bad habits. I've I've, I've worked with players who've been playing for four or five years who will stand outside the non-bali zone until the ball bounces. I'll ask them and they'll say, well, I got to wait till the ball bounces. 
And so they've been playing four or five years with that incorrect information they received from who? From an advisor, someone who gave them advice. Same thing with like, you know, get to the non-volley zone. That's one that's that's incomplete, right? Because yes, you do want to get to the non-volley zone, but you need a little more information in terms of that process. You can't, you know, running up blindly is not a good way to play pickleball. It's going to, you know, you're going to get slammed with some balls that you shouldn't have to get slammed with. So the idea of get to the MBZ or get to the kitchen, get good advice, but you're missing information. And so it creates, again, bad habits that can harm a player's progression into the sport. So those are two examples of incorrect and then incomplete information that we hear all the time out there on the courts. And the reason I said I, I wanted to riff on this is, one, I thought it was interesting, but two, I think it's important to understand where these players are coming from so that when you're receiving the information right at the courts, because you will, uh, or or you know, you're trying to deal with like how do I process this, that you understand where they're coming from. And I I don't think they're coming from a bad place. They're not trying to deceive you, they're not trying to mislead you. They're coming from a place of false bravado, if you will, of showing I know what I'm talking about, even though they probably don't. So it's really important if you're gonna receive information about pickable, receive it from trusted sources. CJ Johnson, myself, I can tell you that's a trusted source. Uh, there's some other content creators that are good content creators out there. They're putting out good information. Nicole Havlicek's very good. Johnson Cola, Zane Navratil. There's, there's several uh, content creators out there who are very good content creators, uh, and they are conscientious of the work that they that they put together and that they put out in terms of the advice that they provide. Uh, there are other content creators, especially nowadays, where you have this flood of content creation um, that simply aren't... Um, aren't vetted. In other words, they're not, uh, it's unclear whether they're going to be giving you fully correct or complete information. So just, you know, be careful with the information you receive. Now you have, or we all have a better sense of why some of the players at the courts are giving you information in the manner that they do with the conviction that they give it with. Um, anyways, that's this week's, pod- this week's podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you, uh, that messiness, uh, con- you know, framing will help you as you play and as you improve. And now you have a better understanding of why perhaps folks are giving you advice in the way that they're giving it to you. If you enjoyed the podcast, as always, please rate and review it and share with your friends. Remember, if you enjoyed the podcast, they probably will too. I hope you have a great week and I'll see you next time.